right, everybody. Yeah, let's do this. Um, thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of the Wood Recommend Podcast, the culture podcast from me, Nick Ratliff. Um, if you don't know me, you probably do if you're listening to this. Everybody who knows me, um, everybody who listens probably knows me or uh, knows our first guest who we'll get to here in just a few minutes. Um, but if you don't know me, um, I live in Kansas City. I'm born and raised in the Kansas City area. Um, and I love music, movies, TV shows, sports. I just, I love every part of pop culture and beyond. Um, and I, I also love podcasting and, um, I've, I've wanted to do a podcast for a long time to kind of, you know, blend all of my interests into one thing and talk about them with really interesting people. And that's exactly what we're doing here. So, um, I, I really thank you for listening. Um, I'm very excited to talk about all of my favorite stuff and really break it down with a lot of interesting people and then and kind of recommend it to you guys if you've never really if you've never taken a deep dive into that stuff um, but also to hear from my amazing guests um, who are going to be creators artists uh, you know different types of people musicians um, just people doing cool and creative things mostly in the Kansas City area but also beyond um, I'm, I'm really excited to hear some of the stuff from them that influenced them, made them want to be creative or something that they're just really stoked on. Um, and maybe it's stuff that I've never heard of before and stuff that I'll fall in love with from the podcast. That's really what I'm the most excited about is learning about stuff that maybe I either turned a blind eye to before or just, you know, um, just uh had never even heard of before um and i I hope i hope you are too uh, as we go on this journey uh my first guest is my very best friend in the world who i'll I'll shout out again here once we get to the the segment uh josh durrell we've known each other since kindergarten listeners uh which you know um is going on 25 years which seems like forever but at the same time doesn't um he's a very talented local musician here in kansas city kansas city area and one of the great bands in kansas city pink royal um who are sort of an indie pop band you can find them frequently playing at the record bar um and more recently across various cities in the midwest which i'm really proud of those guys for um and they're uh, about to release some new music but uh without further ado I say we just get into the segment and learn about Josh and uh, talk about all of our super fun recommendations. So uh, let's get it going. All right, and welcome to Wood Recommend, everyone. Uh, My name is Nick Ratliff, like I said in that first little introductory segment. And uh, let's just cut to the chase here. we are here in the Black and Beach Makerspace uh, recording studio here at the Johnson County Public Library. Big shout out to everybody here, especially Nick, um, who works here, who helped us set everything up. Um, and for my first guest, uh, you probably saw it in the promotional thing if you follow the Facebook page or the website or whatever. Uh, it's one of my favorite people, my one of my absolute best friends in the entire world for going on 25 years local Kansas City musician and all around wonderful human being Josh Durrell. Hey there. Hey buddy. Hey man, how you doing? Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, um 
we're gonna have a great time so um let's uh let's talk about you for i know you don't love talking about yourself but um you, you do a lot of awesome things here in the area mostly musically um you're in my absolute favorite band no offense to anybody else out there who i like in kansas city but uh pink royal is one of the great bands in kansas city in my opinion uh, i'm a little bit biased because of you but i really think you guys make uh, great music uh, talk about your kind of your journey with pink royal well thanks for that man uh i joined in january 2015 their other guitarist was moving. I actually don't remember what exactly was going on with him. Can you hug that mic just a little bit more, bud? Yeah. Thank so you. I joined in January 2015, and it's still pretty quiet. Is that it sound okay? Yeah, you're fine. January 2015, that's when I joined. And we're not cutting this out, people. This is podcasting. This is raw, raw and real, baby. Raw as it gets. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I joined then. <laughs> Steve, the other guitarist in Pink Row, was playing in my college band. Uh, after we had a member move to France, and then he asked me to join Pink Alien Royal. Jones. That's Shout him out. Alien Jones. A- Alien Jones. Yeah. Good band. Good guys, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've just kind of been in that sense. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Pink Royal, is the, line, the lineup's kind of changed Over a years, lot. Yeah. yeah. Got a um, different lead singer than I've been. Did. Uh, yeah, I've been a big fan. The first time I saw you guys was Middle of the Map Fest in 2014, which is our local music festival here with national and a ton of um, local acts. So that would have been 2015. 2015? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah, I loved you guys from the start. Um, Dylan Guthrie from Dylan Guthrie and the Good Time Guys, who we hope to have on here in the future. Very talented uh, musician in Lawrence, uh, pretty close to here, uh, was the lead singer. And uh, then uh, Vic G, Vic Govindarajan, who would later join um and that's kind of your lineup now right yeah it is yeah yeah, yeah. and um breaking news you guys uh you got back very early this morning you guys were in uh, des moines iowa last yeah, night right? we were playing yeah. a show in des moines at this venue called woolies it was an album release for our friends and the maytags were a band from des moines mm-hmm. and they played with us last weekend and we went super to awesome band and so we went down to des moines last night to play with them for their album release and then Mm-hmm. Got back about 3.30 a.m. this morning. Good crowd, though, and everything? It was fun. It was a good time. Definitely a good crowd. Nice. All righty. Um, and you are also, you guys are recording a couple tunes, right? Yeah, we're recording two songs. They're mostly done, at least the production aspects of them. But we need to get them mixed, and we might add a couple of other things to them. Maybe saxophone. I really want some saxophone in the songs, but... That's up in the air. Mm-hmm. We'll see about that. But yeah, those should be out within the next couple of months, and we might have a video going along with it with one of them. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys have played them live several times. Oh, yeah. They're both bangers. Okay. Certified bangers. Certified. <laughs> and uh, you are also recording some solo stuff. I am, yeah. yeah. I've been doing it for some time now. It's taken a little bit longer than expected, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a six-song EP. I don't have a title of the EP yet, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be releasing it under the name Such Lovely People. I love that name. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I, love I loved you. it when you told me. Yeah. Um, and what's what's kind of the f- going to be the feel of that music? How's it going to be different? Uh, it's just going to be kind of like soft rock with a twist. Same yeah. songwritery. You know, but plenty of instrumentation. You know what? We'll, we'll we'll get to it. I don't want to reveal any of our our picks coming up here for our our recommendations. You know, mm-hmm. but when you 
gave me the album uh, that we will later reveal that you want to recommend. We don't really talk about that band. We obviously, I know you like them mm-hmm. a lot, and I do too. My dad has recently really gotten re into them after the the artist the yeah. the the head person in that band passed away. Uh, there's a clue there, um, but um, I, I've heard some of your early, you know, not completed stuff for your solo stuff, and like as far as the melodies on some of those songs go i can kind of see an influence there i think in some of the for sure yeah you know, I, we could get a little bit more in depth once we yeah 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 the album is. yeah right but uh yeah i mean i i think it's in most things that i listen to sneak into yeah my conscious and influence i'm sure the suspense is killing you listeners yeah. <laughs> but um so uh anything else on your solo stuff it'll be out uh hopefully by the end of the year that's what i'm shooting for yeah i want a fall release because autumn is great but yeah we'll see what happens i'm not gonna and it kind of sounds like uh, some at least the songs i've heard kind of feel autumn-y to me autumnal yeah yeah. all right sweet um anything else you want to promote talk about Uh, i think that's good for now all righty let's get to our our recommendations do you want to go first do you want it's me your to? podcast man you kick it off all right what do you what do you want to do album let's do albums album all right so you know me you know my musical taste very well mm-hmm. i bet when i told you my album were you thrown for a loop a little bit not really um yeah because well i know you have a very vast musical taste and yeah i'm gonna be doing many episodes of this yeah so i think this is a good one to start I didn't want to uh, talk about like my absolute two favorites that you probably know mm-hmm. right off the bat. The TV show I'm going to talk about is my number one favorite TV show of all time. We'll get to that later. But um, this one, this album is uh, it's Astral Weeks by Van Morrison. And um, I don't know why, but for some reason in 2019... I've been going back to this album a lot. I really don't know why. And this album, at least the sound of it, is like very mystical. It and is. Like, yeah, it seems like it was made like in another dimension or whatever. <laughs> so that I guess that kind of ties in with it. It's just like something in the in the ether made me want to listen to this a lot. I mean, Van Morrison is like one of my all time favorite artists, so that's not really surprising um that i love his stuff but this one in particular i just don't i don't know why i I, i've been going back to it a lot um i think one one reason is um my uncle who unfortunately passed away um my uncle eric who lived in lawrence um kansas uh he passed away last september and was a big music guy he was um he was the roadie for the Grateful Dead. He was their merch guy in the, I think, part of the 70s and That's the 80s. So cool, yeah, for a long time. He was a big music guy. And um, when my family was cleaning out his house, they found a bunch of old records. And one of the records was Astral Weeks. Is that your first time listening to it? No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. I listened to it in college a bunch. Okay. Well, but I think it's might be part of the reason I've gone back to it mm-hmm. this year. Um, because, like... I was just looking through that record collection and was like, oh my gosh. Like, we talked music some, like older music that he would have been into. Um, 
but we didn't get to it a whole bunch and I had no idea that he loved that album or he liked it enough to own it. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, maybe that's subconsciously a reason I went back to it. But anyway, let's get into the nitty gritty of it. So, um, this album came out, uh, it was released on November 29th, 1968, 1968. Good year for music. It was <laughs> Very good year for music. Um, and, it was, I think, very much a response to the su- success of probably Van Morrison's most well-known song, Brown-Eyed Girl. Right. Because he was on a different label. There's this whole thing with, like, the label wanted him uh, to be, like, a pop star, and he definitely did not want to do that. They included, I think they included Brown-Eyed Girl just threw it on an album when he didn't really want it to be and then he had a bunch of trouble getting out of that recording contract so he recorded brown and girl as a one just kind of a one-off song I didn't know it was that. on it was on like an album which so he didn't want to release it at all i don't i don't believe so let me do some research here i have my live research yeah live research <laughs> shout out to wikipedia yeah um bang records was the name of the uh the recording the record company that he was on and burt burns uh was the guy who he had a lot of issues with um they sound like scumbags <laughs> because of a contract he signed with bang records without legal advice morrison states that he has never received any royalties for writing or recording the song okay. uh, the contract made him liable for virtually all recording expenses incurred for all of his bang record recordings. So maybe that's a big reason why he hates this song, not just because of uh, it's kind of popular sound. But anyways, getting back to Astral Weeks, I think he wanted to record a weirder album. He just probably wanted to put more of himself out there onto it, into the world, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to having a label kind of determine what his output is. Yeah, totally. And so he made this album, which is definitely has a lot of folk influence, definitely some classical. You can hear a lot of jazz in it, um, some soul, just a bunch of different influences. There's one song, um, uh, I think it's, which one was that? Uh, the way young lovers do. Do you know that one? Not off the top of my head, man. It's very, it's almost like bossa nova ish, or like cool. some sort of Latin type of music um, sounding. It's very, very sixties sounding, but also definitely like sort of bossa nova or whatever. So, did you, uh, did you go back and listen to this? I did a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I've just I've spent more time on the album that came after Moondance. I've spent a lot of time on that one. Yeah, yeah. My parents owned it, and I just stole it from them when I was a kid. Classic. And listened to it a lot. Yeah. And so I haven't listened to Astral Weeks as much. I've read about it a lot, which sounds kind of pretentious, but I haven't really done a full deep dive into it yet, which mm-hmm. I'm sure will happen at some point in my life. Totally. Yeah. It's it's great. So, uh, some. Some definite uh, highlights for me on this one um, are the title track, Astral Weeks. Um, just the, the lyric, if I, venture, if I ventured into the slipstream, 
between the viaducts of your dream where a mobile steel rims crack and the ditch in the back road stop is just it's heavy stuff it's yeah it's like you could dissect that forever and ever um just yeah some of the some of the lyrics on there um it's a very kind of folky folky song um with the um sort of that hypnotic guitar riff there's a lot of like hypnotic sounding musical riffs on this um sweet sweet thing which is the third track on the album has another very sort of repetitive sort of just hypnotic going over and over and over again sort of guitar riff and kind of puts you puts me in a trance almost it's kind of, it's very calming um those two songs um and then cypress avenue uh is one of the probably one of my two favorite songs on here uh cypress avenue was uh a, a street in belfast where van grew up and um a lot of there's a lot of uh lyrics in here that kind of harken back our little snapshots of his life maybe but also maybe just kind of like almost dreams it, this it's a very dreamlike album because the way he wrote it was subconsciously right do you know the story yeah. behind it yeah he would he lived in cambridge massachusetts i think when he first moved uh to the united states and was playing like little coffee shops and clubs there um but recording this album he would or like coming up with the songs he'd just sit at his like dinner table with a tape recorder and his guitar and just like subconsciously play stuff and but then would he go back and listen and pick and choose what he liked and kind of formulate a song out of that i think so yeah um but a lot of it does sound very subconscious like of this of the subconscious you know just um stream of stream of consciousness is the term i'm looking for um stream of consciousness um i've just read like the album is pretty methodical like he had a way that he wanted to do it going into it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember reading an article a year or two ago that he barely spoke to the musicians that played on it. Yeah. The producer and the engineer would kind of deal with the musicians and tell them what Van told them. They were like the middlemen, and Van didn't even want to interact with them. He would just kind of shut himself away. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, he's a moody guy. Yeah, he's he always has been. Sell it short. Uh, is his real name? Is Van Morrison his real name? Let me take a look. I've always assumed that. It's George Ivan George Morrison. Ivan Morrison. So yeah. Sir now. Sir George mm -hmm. Ivan Morrison. As he should be. Um but yeah, um in my two favorite songs, there are definitely little snapshots or vignettes or whatever you want to call them. Just little scenes that don't really make sense in the entirety of the song. Mm-hmm. And it makes it very, makes them very dreamlike. The first one being Cypress Avenue. And then the second one that I really want to dive into is my favorite song on the album that I've listened to. I don't know how many times this year. Madam George. Mm -hmm. Madam George is a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, there's much speculation as to who Madam George is or was, or if it even was anybody or 
Well, we we like, just learned that his first name is George, so maybe it was about himself. A composite character or something? I don't know. Um, apparently, the original title was supposed to be Madam Joy, but when he sang it originally, when he was coming up with just, when he was coming up just kind of free, just uh, uh, stream of consciousness, like singing and coming up with the song, he uh, changed it to Madam George and he liked that. Um, there is a line in there um, about um, Madam George in the corner playing dominoes and drag. And so a lot of people think it's about um, a, a drag queen um, from perhaps from Belfast or um, that the character of Madame George is, is, is a drag queen of sorts. Um, and it's kind of just a, 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 it's a very somber song. There's no like, obviously there's not like a cohesive narrative to it uh, why it would be a sad song but some of the lyrics in there um make it seem like you know madam george might have met a a, a bad ending or um a, a sad ending um something like that um and somebody else posited uh, a writer for the wall street journal of all publications a few years ago posited that let me bring it up here that madam george was let me see i should have had this up earlier my apologies the wife was georgie hyde's lee hyde lee's the wife of Irish poet and mystic W.B. Yeats. Yeats. Yeah. Yeats. Nice. Yeah. He. So he. I didn't read the article because the Wall Street Journal makes you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, apparently, there's he brings a lot of evidence because um, Van Morrison was obsessed with Yeats, and um, he. This guy argues that it was his wife that madam george was based off of but um i just love the the instrumentation there's a lot of beautiful strings in there and um just a lot of different instrumentation uh whoever plays the upright bass on that um is an all-star the uh, the upright bass adds so much to that song it adds a lot of texture to it kind of bouncing uh, bouncing might be the right word like bouncing sort of sounds you know what i'm i do yeah it was it was uh i'm I'm looking it up here too doing some cheating Mm -hmm. it was a guy by the name richard davis he played the upright bass on that on the on the entire album shout out richard davis that it adds so much to that song and the strings really do i mean strings add a lot to a lot of pop songs Mm -hmm. or rock songs or whatever so much so that bruce springsteen the legend has all but said there um, is a string riff at the end of Born to Run, mm-hmm. the iconic song, and he goes, ooh, 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 you know what I'm talking about? At yeah. the very end, that is actually at the end of Madam George, and he's all but said that he lifted it pretty much. Oh, awesome. It's not exactly the same, but it's like... I think that's great. It's just yeah. Like a little yeah, 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 yeah. That not a lot of people are going to pick up. Because Bruce loves this album it's one of his all-time favorite and most influential albums so yeah and ladies and gentlemen we'll be talking a lot about bruce springsteen in coming episodes of this podcast because 
Oh, he's, I mean, one of, he's a legend and one of my all-time favorites. So, What's your favorite Springsteen album? It's boring, but probably Born to Run. It's a good one. I mean, oh, Darkness is great, too. I've been into the river a lot this year, too. Nice. Yeah. You listen to Nebraska much? Nebraska yeah. also. Yeah, and Nebraska. Born it's, in the USA is so good. I mean, I just, yeah. I'm just a sucker for dancing in the dark. Yeah. That song alone it's is so, so good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick. Yeah, I, I can't believe I blinked on Nebraska. Nebraska might be top two or three. It's great. Cool. But I'm sure we'll talk about that in a later We'll get episode. down there. We'll get there close down enough the line. To this mic? Might want to hug it a little bit more. We can maybe fix it in post. Okay. Who knows? We could fix everything in post. Oh, there's that bass. Yeah. Oh. Bass, bass, bass. All right. So, uh, any any other thoughts on Astral Weeks? I think I think I will. I know that I want to go home and listen to it right now. I don't know about yeah, you man. listeners. Um, and uh, I mean, there's not a lot of like soul music, like instrumentation or arrangement. I would say on this, but Van's voice is so damn soulful by itself that he just you really feel what he's singing even if the lyrics you don't really know what he's singing a lot mm-hmm. of the time <clears throat> like like i said the there's sort of just like a just uh an air of sadness and somberness throughout madam george and the lyrics don't make a ton of sense but the way he sings it and the way it's kind of arranged you just feel that you feel that from it or at least i do van's a pro emoter yeah he really is if if you don't believe if you don't believe us um watch um the last waltz watch him sing caravan and karate kick on the last waltz have you seen that before oh i have he was on drugs everybody was on drugs (laughs) everyone in that film was on drugs but especially him his karate kicks on that are impeccable yeah all right no one karate kicks like he does no all right. Um, I found out about Van Morrison because I heard his karate kicks were so good. And I was like, oh, <laughs> were you the musician too? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's awesome. Caravan on the last watch. Check it out, people. Van the man. All right. Um, so let's move on to your album. Yeah. I had a hard time picking this just because I didn't want to. I don't know. I just wanted it to be the right choice. But I ended up going with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers Greatest Hits, which I know a Greatest Hits one just seems kind of cheesy, but... If I were to have gone back and selected one of his actual studio albums, it would have been a little bit of a farce because I stole this from my parents' CD collection and listened to the crap out of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really any individual record. It was just kind of all of his hits that I listened to. It's, mm-hmm. it's an album called Tom Petty's Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. The song Mary Jane's Last Dance was released. That It got its first release on that Greatest okay. Hits album. Okay, yeah. Along with, uh, there's also another... What is it? It's something in the air. Okay. Is, yeah. It's a thunderclap Newman cover, and you've probably heard it. I know you have. I. It doesn't. Uh, can't place it off the top of my head, but I'm sure I have. Call out the instigator because there's something in the air. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we, we've, we've been... got to get together sooner or later because the revolution's here and you know it's Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's better than what I just did. 
we've, we've been blessed with the beautiful voice of Josh Jarrell, folks. I hope you're happy. I sure am. I I may have baited you into singing just now, but nah, it just came out of me. <laughs> um, I left a little bit to be desired, but whatever. As I was looking into this greatest hits album, obviously very familiar with this iconic American band. Oh yeah, man. Who but Tom Petty? it just staggered me. You don't really realize with an artist that iconic how many damn classics they put out. Hit after hit. This, this greatest hits is just staggering. Like American Girl, Breakdown, Refugee, Don't Do Me Like That, Here Comes My Girl, The Waiting, You Got Lucky, Don't Come Around Here No More. What's your favorite? Uh, well, just it doesn't have to be on this album. What's your favorite Tom Petty song, Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker song? Um, we actually, ironically, on the way over here, um, my dad gave me a ride over here. Um, shout and out he, to John. Shout out to John Ralph. Um, huge, huge Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker fan since the beginning, pretty much. Um, and we have Sirius XM radio on their car. And Tom Petty Radio is a station on there. Nice. And when he was alive, he did this amazing, amazing show called Buried Treasure, mm-hmm. which they still play, um, like, old episodes of. And he would host it, and he would play, like, stuff that influenced him, kind of like what we're talking cool. about. Like, old Motown stuff, old Beatles stuff, bands, like, British Invasion bands I'd never heard of. Um, just, and, like... I don't know, rockabilly bands, just all the different influences that you can hear kind of as an amalgamation in the music he made. Um, but anyway, on the ride here, we heard um, You Got Lucky. That's a good one. Which probably, like like with a gun to my head, would be the one I would pick. That's your favorite? Probably. It cha- I think it changes, though, just like with any iconic artist like that with so many great songs i think it changes what Same about you uh this is your pick so you talk about right it. off the cusp i i might say here comes my girl just the way that he does the the the, the vocal delivery in the verse is just so cool and honestly sexy it's just like yeah you know, i'm not even gonna try to do it right now but it's it's awesome he just kind of does this rambling talk singing thing yeah it's sweet and then the chorus bangs but also the waiting who doesn't love the waiting yeah it's a amazing guitar riff in there by mike campbell who co-wrote a lot of the songs that we all yeah. know and love with right. tom petty right yeah a very tasteful guitarist didn't really overplay he, he was, was one of the mud crutch guys play. right say that he was from mud crutch right uh, i believe their original band yeah yeah um refugee obviously just that um organ in there mm-hmm. and the guitar oh, and everything cool. yeah um, mary jane's last dance is just such a cool song Mm-hmm. Tom Petty, he didn't really play lead guitar. He played the lead guitar solos mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that song. Yeah. Um, and then some, I mean, some of the uh, 80s stuff that, um, what was the big album from the 80s called? Um, starts with an M. Sorry. Sorry, folks. It's okay. We'll edit this out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Full Moon Fever. It doesn't start with the name. Full Moon Fever. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, which is technically him, just him. It is, yeah. That was, that was his first solo album, right? The Heartbreakers play all over that. Right. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like uh when Springsteen went quote unquote solo, the E Street people 
played all over <laughs> his stuff. But, um, like, I won't back down, running down a dream, free falling, uh, facing the crowd, you're so bad, are all on that. I think this, I don't know, this might be a little controversial, but I don't love the song. Uh, wait, I just, I just, my, my, my brain just blanked. Free fall, free fall. No, that song yeah. is awesome. Uh, running down a dream. I uh, love that song. Did you yeah. did you did you just mention that mention that? Yeah, song? yeah, yeah. No, that, that was it's not on, my favorite. Uh, it's a little too. It's on full moon. Fever. Yeah, it's okay. Could have been better. Well, no, it couldn't have been better. It was what it was. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I went back down. Obviously, is a is a just iconic song. song. Yeah, and like uh, some of the the harmonies and stuff. You could, I think, that song especially. You can. Um, hear the huge influence that he would later bring to the traveling wilburys mm-hmm. what's the what's the big traveling wilbury song i don't remember <laughs> i don't remember but they're quite a band yeah um did they release a whole album or did they just released a couple of singles they released a whole album i think yeah um but anyway um what's well, okay this isn't about them yeah they'll have their time yeah heartbreakers um so how did this uh how specifically do you think this like influenced you to wanting to make music or be creative or oh totally i mean i think it it just may have been more of a subconscious influence uh Mm -hmm. because i was already playing guitar by the time that i got my hands on this and i i do just think that it had a impact on my songwriting i I, i'm a sucker for pop melodies and just Mm -hmm. big choruses yeah i think we both are tom petty specializes in that stuff he's i mean you're just looking at all these songs that were big singles for him the dude could write a song he could write Mm -hmm. a pop hit yeah or as you call it a certified banger all right trying to open sorry a list of questions i have here i should have been more well prepared but you know what folks it's the first episode so yeah. whatever Chill out. yeah go easy on us mm-hmm. um any other songs that that you love while this is opening slowly there's i mean there's just one or two on here that i don't love i i mean learning to fly such a pretty song. Mm-hmm. Into the Great Wide Open. Mm-hmm. Also a good song. It's got Gosh, Johnny it's Depp just, in the music video. It does? Yeah. Young Johnny Depp. I've never seen it before. Not like the Johnny Depp we know today. <laughs> a little bit different. Um, Yeah, just like when you think you've thought of all the amazing songs they did, it just there's more that you haven't thought of. It is true. Um... So, did you do you think this influenced your songwriting at all? I mean, we could, you kind of already talked about that, yeah, but like totally. I mean, I can't really say any direct ways other than it's influenced me. As you know, I like writing pop songs. I like catchy melodies, mm-hmm. and I just think it's influenced me that way. And also, Mike Campbell is a guitarist who did all the guitar work on the album. I I really 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 appreciate his subtlety mm-hmm. in his playing. Mm-hmm. just listen you'll hear it yeah um what are some i mean besides it being like an iconic american band mm-hmm. why do you think they're important or why do you think their songs are important lyrically i don't necessarily know but musically i just think it's a it's a 
amazing stamp of time that just but it's also timeless at the same time yeah you know what I'm, yeah. yeah that's what i mean that's what the best art is yeah it sounds like it could be made at any time yeah you listen to a song on the radio a tom petty song on the radio and it it, it just it speaks to everyone well mm-hmm. i don't know about everyone i don't want to speak for everyone but it's they're they're just great songs yeah really good songs and uh have have the has the meaning of the music or has your relationship with the music changed over time no i don't think so i think it's just it's kind of like comfort music to me yeah you know you just go back and listen to it and it's nice it's like eating a pile of mashed potatoes yeah it's just that's a great yeah except you don't yeah. feel horrible after At totally least, yeah totally yeah i don't know if everyone feels horrible after eating <laughs> all right um any other thoughts on that before we move on did you have any questions were those the questions those, those were my questions that we mostly got to all the all the stuff there um yeah tom petty and the heartbreakers good band great great <laughs> great, band. great band and rest in peace tom petty uh we lost one of the good ones was that last year i think it's two years ago. two years ago yeah all the all the rock and roll heroes are dying off man you gotta we gotta love them while they're still here and, yeah. and appreciate them while they're still while they're still here. I know personally, I have waited too long and gotten really into some like super iconic artists after they passed and didn't really appreciate it, appreciate them while they were here. Like Bowie, like I I liked Bowie. Mm-hmm. I knew all of the like huge songs, but I didn't really deep dive into his catalog until right after he died and then i did like pretty much pretty much like a chronological deep dive started with the early ones most of most of the stuff and the same with prince like um you know i knew like let's go crazy in 1999 and all those huge hits and super influential songs kiss all that stuff not the band not the bad band the band that i'm not a fan of but the prince song um and um so yeah i just i think you know i won't name names and you know because who knows what might happen to them but hopefully nothing um but you know we should really embrace the musicians we love while we have them agreed agreed all yeah, right this is awesome it's yeah just really quick on a tangent it's so crazy to think about I gotta get close to the mic. <laughs> it's so crazy to think about all the songs that he wrote for other artists. Like, yeah. like Manic Monday. He wrote, he wrote that? that. Yeah. I did not know that. What's the, what are they called? The Bangles? Is that the band that did it? Mm, I, I think, think so. so. It's the Bangles. Yeah, yeah, he wrote that. Obviously, he has a version of nothing that nothing compares to you that Shanita O'Connor did. Yeah. But he wrote it, and she. I prefer her version. If I'm being yeah, honest. yeah, definitely. But, uh, he's still he was a hell of a songwriter. One of the great cover. One of the great covers. I love a good cover song. Yeah. Chris Cornell did. Um, I think very right before he, unfortunately, passed as well. He did a cover of that, like for I think Sirius Radio maybe in studio. That guy had an amazing, amazing voice and does yeah. a great job of that song as well. But uh, in the interest of time here. Uh, I think we should move on to the next segment, uh, and we're going to talk TV show or movies. I, I didn't want to. I wanted to give uh, my guests kind of um, freedom to pick here. So um, you want to go? I'll start it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, as with the album, I struggled with this one as well. I just mm-hmm. didn't want it to be the right choice. Yeah. 
and I even thought about discussing the movie Monster House, which I recently revisited <laughs> uh-huh. last uh, last fall. Which apparently we saw together in theaters. Yeah, I, we did. It was the day before summer, before school started. I, 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 I mean, I, I believe you. Of high school. I believe you. I just don't remember anything about it. It's great. Yeah, you gotta watch. I bet it I would. Yet. I bet I would like I it. I loved yeah. it. <laughs> I bet I did just like kind it. Of an yeah. animated kids movie. Yeah, right? it's it's perfect for all ages. But that being said, not the movie that I went with. I went with. David Fincher's Zodiac. I love it so much. So David Fincher it's is just such amazing. a good director. There's really there's there's not a whole lot that he's done that I don't love. The social network is fine. But other than that, I really love yeah. David Fincher's work, just the amount of detail he puts into everything. Everything. Yeah. The, the scenes are gorgeously shot. And Zodiac might be his best movie. It's real good. Yeah. Real it's good. really, really good. Just the the tone of it all. That's I think that's what I love about it. Yeah. It's just the mood, the aesthetic. It just it just puts you in a mood. It takes you back to San Francisco in the nineteen sixties. Yeah, there's just like a feeling of dread surrounding it a lot, yeah, which that. I really think is is important to the movie because from uh, you, this might might come out a little bit. I mean, uh, throughout the podcast, but. I kind of have a morbid fascination with true crime stuff. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and things like that. I, I don't know why, but um, I think a lot of people do. I yeah, don't think you're alone. Either. Yeah, um, and I listened to one about the Zodiac and just the overall feeling in that time. Everyone was terrified of that right. guy, of that person. Well, the dude was threatening children. Yeah, yeah, children. yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just the overall feeling of dread. I feel like it rains a lot in that movie. Uh-huh. Um and the acting is just just incredible. Um, you got your Robert, Robert Downey Jr., who's amazing. the The one scene that stands out for me uh, in that movie is later in the movie when Robert Downey Jr.'s character, whose name I can't remember, but he writes for uh, the, the, the Chronicle. Yeah. Um, is uh, Paul, Paul? Yeah. Paul Stamp? No, that's a guy from Kid. <laughs> Paul <laughs> Paul Smith. I, th- I feel like it starts with an S, but um, he's sick. He, I think, from smoking. I think he developed um, emphysema. Emphysema, yeah. And um, uh, pa- uh, Robert Gray-, Gray Smith, who is the cartoonist who uh, cracks the code on Zodiac, who is played by Jake Gyllenhaal, kind of goes to his house, and you can kind of tell that the Zodiac case has kind of ruined. Uh, Paul in a mm-hmm. in a way, yeah. and the acting chops of those two guys in that scene is just something that's stuck with me. Like that's the first kind of scene that I think of. It's a really random scene, but just Robert Downey Jr. kind of playing this like ruined man who's like close lives on, lives on a houseboat, close to dying, drinking warm yeah, blood yeah, in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, who's like kind of been obsessed with figuring out who the Zodiac kind of is or, you know, just reporting on him and not knowing who it is. It's just, yeah, it's just a really powerful scene. Yeah. You have anything that stands out to you off the top of your head? There's a scene where he goes, um, he goes to the home of a guy who used to draw up movie posters at a theater and just because there's some clue that takes him there. And then as he's there, he begins to worry that the guy who is yes, oh yeah, the artist, yeah, the, the movie poster artist whose basement he's in is is in fact the Zodiac killer. Yeah, and it's just a really tense scene. It's he's awesome. super tense. Super cool. The music, yeah. I think the music is like mm-hmm. really tense strings, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, Maybe. I forgot yeah. about that one. Does David Fincher have a go-to guy for music? I really don't know. I don't know. Keep talking, we'll check it out. Uh, I know he's worked with Trent Reznor a lot in the Recently, last yeah. decade or so, yeah. Um, Mark Ruffalo, also shout out to Mark Ruffalo, really good in this movie. Chloe Seven, yeah, she has a yes, small part yes, as well. As Robert Gray Smith's wife. Wife, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy who plays Arthur Lee Allen, who many... John Carroll Lynch. I knew him from when I was a child as Drew Carey's brother in the Drew Carey oh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, many believe that Arthur Lee Allen was the Zodiac, but it was never proven. Um, and, yeah, um, it's just, it's a pretty long movie. Pack a snack and a drink. Worth it. <laughs> yeah, but worth super it. worth it. Um, if you love true crime. But also, it doesn't really get, I mean, it shows some of, like, the murders. Um, the most chilling one, in my opinion, is the one at the lake, mm-hmm. which, through my true crime research, I've heard described several times. It was a guy with, like, a mis- medieval-style hood mask on. Kind of. I think it, it was cloth, it, though. But the, yeah, it was, like, a, like an executioner. Yeah, in the thing. middle yeah. of the day. It's it was pretty hard to watch. It's a pretty very, hard to watch scene. Very chilling. But mostly it's about the city of San Francisco and how the newspaper industry and the police were affected by it all. It's it's kind of more of a character piece of the people surrounding it, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, super, super great movie. Um to shout out another podcast that I love, uh, Bill Simmons and The Ringer, which is a sports and pop culture website, one of my favorite websites. Um, they have a full podcast network. They do a movie podcast called The Rewatchables, where it's like the most rewatchable movies, and they have categories kind of like we have on this show um, about why it's rewatchable, and they like give awards to certain scenes or actors or whatever. They did one on Zodiac and called it one of the best movies of that decade. Um, and I, I I would think I would have to agree with them. Um, if you want to get really deep on that, um, go listen to that. It's called The Rewatchables from the Ringer Podcast Network. Shout out to them. Yeah, Big inspiration. That. I've seen because I've seen it yeah. five times. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it a lot. And I, I think that. it's on Netflix now. So if you've never seen it and you got Netflix, go watch it. It's great. Um, so I am, I picked a TV show, mm-hmm. um, one that I have not spent too much time with, but you should, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me some time. Nick. I know. I'm just not watching Breaking Bad. I know. Do you love it? Love it. It's great. We'll talk about that down the line, <laughs> but God, I love that one too. Um, but I'm going to be that guy and I know everybody knows that guy. The Wire is the greatest television show ever made. Mm. The Wire. I'd love to agree. HBO's The Wire. Um, the uh, ran from I believe 2001 to two, uh, 2002 to 2008. It was five seasons. Never nominated for a friggin' Emmy, which is unbelievable. Uh, it's it stars Dominic West, um, who was in a show called The Affair. Um, which is on like Showtime or something. I don't think it's going on anymore, but it got some acclaim. Um, I never saw it, but uh, people would know him from that. He's actually an English actor. Um, His Baltimore accent was never that great. His English accent slipped a lot. Um, But anyways, 
premise of the show, if you've never heard of it, um, it is it is a crime drama, but it's a lot more than a crime drama. Uh, the creator, David Simon, who also created Treme, um, was he's described it as the decay of an American city over five seasons. Shows every aspect of how like the uh, a great American city, the uh, the city being Baltimore in this case, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, how the mostly how the drug trade has contributed to the downfall of a great American city. And so the first season, I'm not going to spoil anything, folks. I want everybody to watch this show. I'm going to do my darndest to not spoil a thing on here. Um, but I will give the theme of each uh, each uh, season here. The first season is um, the drug trade, the cops, um, how they sort of police the the drug trade and how the the drug drug dealers get it out to the um the drug addicts and kind of the you know your traditional sort of cop cop and you know bad guy mm -hmm. sort of thing but it goes much deeper than that on, on its surface through the first few episodes kind of seems like it's just going to be another law and order sort of type thing but it's it's much bigger than that the second one takes a big left turn and it is uh, takes place heavily at the docks, which is how the drugs come into the city. Um, and um, I won't go into it, but like I said, kind of narratively, it takes a big left turn. A lot of people love it. Not my favorite season, but um, a lot of people love that one um, for being so different. The third one is um, deals a lot with a lot with like the political side of things, how cities and governments kind of make laws and sort of the war on drugs from the political standpoint mm -hmm. and how they kind of turn a blind eye to a lot of stuff or they i don't know they not really turn a blind eye but they don't do all that they can the fourth one is the uh, public school system and how kind of kids get indoctrinated into the drug trade and how public school systems can sometimes especially in inner cities can kind of fail the kids and then the fi fifth and final season is uh from the perspective of uh the newspapers and how they cover the drug trade no, that's super cool i didn't know that that's how they laid out mm -hmm. the show i mean it all kind of intertwines eventually but you have the same characters in each season. yeah 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 totally um but that there are definitely you, you can definitely sort of see themes through each season um some notable actors uh probably the most notable actor to come from the show is idris alba plays stringer bell yeah who's one of the most interesting characters on the show he's kind of the second in command uh of the drug empire of the um, barksdale drug empire in the um in the show um avon barksdale who's his best friend and um the leader of the Barksdale gang is Wood Harris, who um, is, you would definitely know him if you saw him. He's been in a ton of stuff, most notably for people like me who love Remember the Titans, plays Julius Campbell. Um, he's a linebacker, um, left side, strong side, if people know what I'm talking about. He's, a, <laughs> he's on the defense. He's one of the main guys. Um, most notably in that movie, which I absolutely love. I saw that in theaters with you when I was a kid. You and yeah, dad, you I would, think. you would. He's been on in a ton of stuff. You totally recognize Show him if you saw him. Um, uh, Aiden Gillen, um, 
who uh, plays Tommy Carcetti, um, who is a Baltimore politician, um, is probably actually the most um, probably the most recent uh, person of note. Uh, he plays Littlefinger in oh, Game cool. of Thrones. Yeah. yeah, he's an Irish actor um, and actually plays a, a uh, uh, Baltimore politician and does a really good job with uh, the accent and everything because uh, Baltimore accent is a very distinct uh, accent. But anyways, there are a lot of uh, bit players who um, you'll you'll know. Uh, Frankie Faison, I think his name is. Um do you know him? No? Nah, uh, I don't. Um, I think his name is Frankie Faison. Played, um, if you watched Walking Dead, I stopped watching several seasons ago. I think he, everybody did. He played um, like the reverend guy who they met. The reverend? The reverend, like the, is that the name? The of minister like the guy? guy? No, like actual... he's like a minister who, or a former like, minister or pastor or whatever you might not have been watching that i think i got two to three seasons in it's close to when i stopped watching but anyway you'll recognize a ton of people from people from the show the acting is second to none the stories uh second to none oh my gosh okay and also a notable actor i can't believe it slipped my mind so um there's this there's a kid in season one um He's like 14 or 15 years old. This kid, Michael B. Jordan. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Hmm. He, um, he was only that. When did this show come it's out? It's like one of his first roles. It was 2002. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Um, who knows if he went on to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Michael B. Jordan is in the first season. He's great uh, as a young drug dealer. Nice. Yeah. And you can tell. like He's got it. Yeah, he's got it. I mean. I, I already had known who he was. I had seen him in a few things. He hadn't done the Creed stuff yet when I watched the show, but like I knew who he was and knew that he was a really good actor. He had been on Friday Night Lights, the show, I think, by then, um, and knew that he had chops. But like even at that age, he was a really great actor. That's very cool. But um, yeah, watch watch do yourself a favor and watch The Wire, folks. It can get intense, and I will say, keep with it in the first season it takes i would say five or six episodes to really really get into it it grabs you within the first five or six to make you kind of want to keep watching i think but i think episode six is when i really got into it so so give it some time and you'll be hooked and it's amazing you want you want to talk about your other movie quickly no, no, I mean, I, I pretty much all I said, I said everything I needed to say about Monster House. Yeah. If you haven't seen it since you were a kid, <laughs> put it on. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Wait till October, though. It's a very, it's an autumnal movie. What, you said, like, the aesthetic kind of? Yeah, it just, I'm, it just has, like, a kind of a campy Halloween vibe to it. I really don't know. I remember being very into it whatever you watched it last October. Yeah. For the first time since I was 15 years old. Yeah. I think I wrote it off when I was 15. I just didn't really get it. Mm. Or maybe I got it and I thought I was too cool for it and too old for it. Who directed it? I didn't remember. I don't remember his name. It's Gil something. He's also directed City of Ember. Hmm. If you heard of that. No. I think Bill Murray's in that one. Hold on. Let me let me just give what, what's, the what some information. Was it a big studio that did it? Was it like DreamWorks or... It was, what is the studio? 
Columbia. Okay. Sony. Yeah. Well, it was pr- produced by Columbia, distributed by Sony. Shout out to Columbia and Sony. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, it's directed by Gil Keenan, who has directed City of Ember and then the remake of Poltergeist. Okay. But he'll you know he'll do more. <laughs> I'll keep that. Yeah. It's got it's got Maggie Gyllenhaal. Okay. As as one of the voices. And Shout Steve out to the Buscemi. Steve oh, Buscemi. Yeah. Shout out to the Gyllenhaal family, both brought up in this episode. Yep. Yeah. Catherine O'Hara, who plays the mom in Home Alone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just see you guys. You won't regret it. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. All right. That's all I wanted to say about Monster House. All right. And um, so I thought of a book. You had a really hard time with coming up with a book, right? Yeah. I was worried my answer would be cliche. And so you just take it this time. Okay. Um, so mine is not necessarily like a novel or anything or like a chapter book per se. Well, there are chapters in it, but it's more, this is kind of a slight, but I don't mean it to be. It's, it's like the ultimate coffee table book mm-hmm. for people like us. I, th- I think people make books to be coffee table yeah. books these days. It is okay. the hip hop yearbook by Shea Serrano mm-hmm. and it is amazing. Um, how does it like? What's is it more of a picture book, or is how is it? There are there are amazing, amazing illustrations in it by this guy named Arturo Torres, who Shea Serrano um, hooked up with. He's just an amazing. I can't even describe the illustrations really. Um, just go go cop it. Just go pick it up, and um, it's just um, they pick. He Shea Serrano knows uh, he he writes for the Ringer, who I shouted out earlier. Okay. Um, He's he's like a former blogger who Bill Simmons, who's like a media hero of mine and a podcasting hero of mine. He's the first podcast I ever listened to. But when he was coming up, when he was developing The Ringer, which is the website that he is the head of, um, he found Shea Serrano, who used to write a blog. But he's like an entertainment and mostly like a hip hop writer for them. And um, he picks in the book, he picks um, every year. Um, from I think 1979 was when Rapper's Delight came out to whatever year the the book was completed. Um, Every year he picks the most important rap song from that year in his opinion and like writes a whole chapter on it and there are amazing like illustrations and like charts and infographics and stuff on it. Name some songs that he's selected. Uh, the best chapters in it are um, Benita, Benita Applebum by Tribe Called Quest. We'll be talking a lot, again. We'll be talking a lot more about them. They're my all big smile just came across. They're my all time right favorite there. rap group. I didn't want to pick one of their albums this time around, but rest assured, people will be talking a lot about them. Um, Benita Applebum was on their first album, so that was like eighty nine or ninety. Um, that's a really good chapter just because I love Tribe. And those are the years that we were born. Yeah. Um, Mind Playing Tricks on Me is a great, by the Ghetto Boys, is a great song, obviously, and um, a great chapter in the book. Uh, I think he, forget what Biggie song he picks. Might have been Juicy, might have been Big Papa. It's something off Ready to Die. Um, That's definitely in there. It's got to be juicy. Yeah. It's probably juicy. Yeah. Um, he loves – Shea Serrano um, has, like, an unironic love of DMX. Thinks <laughs> he's, like, one of the best rappers of all time. I love DMX. I would say 
2% ironically, 98% I actually like like it as like fun turn up music. What about Don't Bust, like, Busta Rhymes? Does he ever shout him out? I feel like that dude is a little underrated as well. He's as very underrated. Go. I don't know if he picks, because he has to pick one single song from each year. He could have picked He might have picked like Woo Ha, Keep You All in Check, uh, okay. but I can't. So, so the problem is, I recently, I, not recently, but I moved like a few months ago, and a lot of my stuff is in the storage facility, and a lot of my books are in the storage facility, and I have not gone over to get them, or else I would have looked over this book. Um, let me let me take a look here. That's okay. Um, I feel like yeah. you've also given them enough of a backstory. Yeah, if, if it's just they'll, they'll go out. Shea Serrano has like a singular writing voice that's super fun he's really a hilarious writer he's really funny there's a lot of like funny jokes and stuff in his writing in the book um and he's extremely knowledgeable the guy's an encyclopedia of hip-hop and i really like learning about like the early stuff of hip-hop i don't love a lot of it right a lot of it's it's kind of corny but like the history of it all is really cool um so definitely go pick that up and he's got one other book that's already been published and been out a few years, um, Basketball and Other Things, which I also have, which is pretty much the same thing, just about basketball um, with the same illustrator, Arturo Torres, who adds so much to those books, just like the visual aspect of it, as well as Shay's writing, just fit so much in concert with each other. It's insane. Um, and then he's got another one on movies coming out really soon, too. Cool. Yeah. Chase Serrano. You have to let me borrow that. I will. I'll get it out of storage soon. I need to get a lot of my books out of storage. But uh, any other thoughts before we go, man? I'm just happy to be here. Happy to have done this. I love you so much. I love you. And I love talking about this stuff with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, I mean, this people, this is what we do on a Saturday night. There's just like more alcohol involved. Dude, don't say that. I mean, we're of age. That's okay, yeah. Yeah. That's um, actually probably what we're going to go do after this. Yeah, this is what we do, and we're just doing it in front of mics. Eat some tacos. I wanted to profile Josh because he's an amazing musician. Oh, thanks, man. And um, profile Pink Royal because they're a group of amazing musicians. Um, and uh, wouldn't want anybody else on this first episode, man. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, um, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I want to shout a few people out before we go. Um, Shout out to our mutual friend, Micah Shuley, who we've also known forever and ever and ever, who helped me uh, develop the website, which should be up as you listen to this. Hopefully, you're listening on the website. Uh, It's woodrecommendpodcast.com. Micah and I met um, last week. And uh, he helped me uh, develop the website. He's really good at that stuff, and I really appreciate his help. He's a beautiful man. He's a great man. Um, Sheldon Adams, who we also know, we went to grade school with, um, lives in Seattle now, does not live in the Kansas City area anymore, and I miss him every day. I love you, Sheldon. Hope you're listening to this. Um, He is really good at Photoshop, helped me uh, create the beautiful, beautiful logo for the Wood Recommend podcast. So shout out to him. Love you, buddy. You're the best. Um, and finally, uh, Raz, I hope it's Raz or it might be Raz, R-A-Z-Z. Um, shout out to you, my man. Don't know where you are. Um, I hope you listen to this. I'm going to send you the link to the podcast. Um, he created the amazing piano, hip hop, instrumental music for this show. Um, he is one of those awesome producers on YouTube. 
um, and probably other things like SoundCloud and stuff, um, who makes his own beats, puts them up, um, and uh, as long as you use them for uh, not uh, something not for profit, he'll and like you shout him out like I am right now, he will let you use uh, his amazing beats and stuff um i was looking for a tribe called quest type of beat so that's exactly what i typed into youtube found his beat it's exactly what i wanted shout out to you as you're the best man thanks again for the awesome music so um until next time uh check into our recommendations and uh keep it classy everybody don't know uh, how i'm gonna the, uh... don't know how i'm gonna sound sign off but i'll figure <laughs> it out at some point but for now that's uh shout out everybody uh thanks for listening stay Bye-bye. curious yeah is that, is that gonna be your slogan you need a slogan stay I, curious i like that yeah stay curious and uh, stay searching yeah <laughs> bye everybody